Laser Focused Coaching. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join national presenter and consultant Rory Rowland as he discusses another aspect of powerful coaching and how it transforms people to improve your organization. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Hi, Rory. Hey, Paul. It is great to be here. Thanks, my friend. So we're going to talk about lasers. And I'm hoping it's like, is it like Star <laughs> like Wars a, and everything, right? It is not Star Wars, but it's laser-focused coaching. The thing I love about Marion Franklin's book, The Heart of Laser-Focused Coaching, A Revolutionary Approach to Masterful Coaching, is that she doesn't focus so much on the story. She wants to know how this impacted the folks that are there. Mm. So many times we hear... And we've talked to coaches on this program, and I have too, and asked about more details of the story. And her point is more details of the story doesn't help you get where it's at. What you need to find out is what is their compelling reason for this? Why is it important for them in their life? And finding out what you can do to help them to that next level. So she's gigantic on what questions. She does a great job talking about the power of what questions. And she's got a whole host of great what questions in her book. But I love the fact that she really focuses on what are their hopes, wishes, dreams, and aspirations and focusing on what can we do to get there rather than, well, what happened? And well, did you get angry? And Mm-hmm. Well, I bet that made you mad. And those questions really add no value to the solutions. And so she's yeah. really solution focused. What questions? Where are you going? And how can we as a team, a coach and a team member get to that next level? Yeah, she's very directed like a laser. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I love the, the laser focused coaching. Mm-hmm. And at first when I grabbed the book, I didn't know what it meant. But what it really does is Get to the heart of the matter immediately. Mm-hmm. Don't don't just go around the edges or don't hear the stories. Or don't get caught up in the, the, oh, poor, pitiful me process. Really focus on, okay, they've told you the story. They've said something to you. It's important to you. Now, how can you take that and help them turn that into where they want to go and what do they want to do next? And so it was really a delightful interview, and she did a great job in the book. I highly recommend it. It's probably one of my top five coaching books now. Well, as a coaching expert that you are, I bet you were very excited, and I'm looking forward to listening to this interview that you have with Marion Franklin. So here it is, Laser Focus Coaching. Welcome, everyone. I'm here today with Marion Franklin. She is the author of The Heart of Laser Focus Coaching, A Revolutionary Approach to Masterful Coaching. I highly recommend it. She's done an excellent job. So Marion, thank you for being on the program. Well, thank you, Rory, for having me. It is my pleasure. I loved your book. You had a lot of great information in it, just a lot of great quotes. So they were just fantastic. I'm just going to kind of start out a little bit here by reading one of the things that you have early on in the book that talks about contrasting traditional coaching from laser-focused coaching. So it says, by contrast, what I consider transformational coaching or laser-focused coaching relies on understanding the person, not their situation or the problem. Help me with that. Sure. Well, I think that's a, it's such a common concept that's taught. Everybody hears the who versus the what. But I think what gets missing very often is really understanding what does that really mean? And what it really means is that the questions have to address the person, not their situation. So for example, if somebody's upset about a conversation that had just occurred and the coach says, uh, well, what did you say when you heard that? The client already knows what they've said. So it's not new information that moves the conversation forward. It's just purely what I call nosy curiosity. Whereas if the question was something more like what was going through your mind when you heard the response, 
Now I'm asking about that person. It's not the situation, it's the person. And I'm trying to understand how is that person feeling, behaving, thinking, whatever. Every question should really be about the person. Yeah, I love that. What was going through your mind or feel about that or how that make you feel? Even though uh, that more as a, as a, you know, give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm not a how does it make you feel question because I find that's a therapy question. And I'm also very prejudiced about starting every question with the word what because it guarantees it'll be open for one thing. Right. And more often than not, while it sometimes can be awkward to phrase a question with what, I find inevitably it makes the question far more powerful, far more provoking for the client than starting with anything else. Okay. So always start with what? Mm-hmm. There are uh, obviously a few exceptions, but I find that the how questions, which a lot of people argue with me about, are usually about methodology and just aren't quite as effective. Okay. So start with the what questions. I love it. Here's another quote from the book, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this. The sooner we can help our clients realize that things don't always go according to plan, the sooner they can reduce their stress, discomfort, anger, and anxiety. So how do we get to that point where they reduce their stress, anxiety, and discomfort? <laughs> well, I think, you know, what happens is we get very attached to an outcome. Mm. We get very locked into this is what I want and this is how it has to be. But obviously, as we know in life, things, <laughs> as we know now, even during the pandemic, um, things don't unfold necessarily the way we hope or the way we necessarily want, no matter how much we do. Right. And I think one of the things people don't realize is that we can only control up to the outcome, but we cannot control the actual outcome. I think once people realize that, it helps them to see that, oh yeah, now I might just have to let it go because I've done everything I could up until, and then whatever happens, happens, because that part is not in our control. Right. I, I guess like the show's Bridezillas, that's almost a great example of that. They have this vision of a perfect wedding and the color of the right. tablecloth is off by just, you know, two percentage points from what they wanted their perfect mm -hmm. beige to be. And oh my God, now it's just a crisis. Right. And I think people do get what I call catastrophize or get really mm -hmm. distressed or anxious or whatever when things don't work exactly as planned. So I think part of helping clients is realize that you did everything you could up until that moment. Mm -hmm. And then enjoy the outcome regardless of what it is. Well, and sometimes that's difficult. You know, <laughs> we may not be happy with the outcome. But on the other hand, it's more, I want to not so much enjoy, probably accept. Mm, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the uh, what is it? The tranquility prayer or the... Uh the peace prayer. Just, oh, you know, serenity prayer. The serenity prayer. Thank you very mm -hmm. much. Yes, the serenity prayer. So um, I love this quote too, and I want you to expand upon this. Learning how to distinguish the truth from perception is the foundation of laser-focused coaching. A laser-focused coach doesn't accept at face value what the client claims they want. Yeah, so this is this is probably one of the biggest, I'm going to say in quotes, downfalls of mm -hmm. coaching. Because when clients come to us, I'm going to actually say that about 80, maybe even 90% of what they bring to us is their perception. It's how they're viewing something. Okay. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's the truth. And if we just accept whatever they tell us as this is it, 
-hmm. we could be wasting so much time. So I just heard uh, an example where I was mentoring someone and the coach um, asked me, well, I'm kind of stuck with this person. I don't know what to do. And I said, what happened? And the client had said, you know, well, I've reached this point now. And the only thing I can do is just look for a different position. And the coach said, okay, fine. Let's see how we can do that. And I'm like, well, wait a second. That may not be the only alternative just because Mm -hmm. the client thinks so. So this happens across the board. It doesn't matter what they tell us. But what I always say is it may be true. But we cannot immediately accept it at, fa- at face value and just say, okay, let's go with that. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes if we start to poke around, we find, you know what, it's not really true. My boss hates me. Well, mm. then we find out that he's mean to everybody. It's not about you. You know, <laughs> you're taking it personally and it's not about you. So people make these either generalizations or stop exercising seven times a week. I'm going to get fat. I mean, we, they make all these statements that may not be true. And so we have to question and figure out what is the truth. Mm, yeah, that is so important. And they may leave, uh, they may live in a non-truth for a long time. And I'll just give you an example oh, yeah. of that and kind of get a sense of what you think of this little snippet of a story. I had Jason Abel on the program a while back, and he's got a company called Rewire Coaching. And he wasn't a coach all of his life. Uh, the majority of his life, he left college, wanted to be a professional speaker. He wanted to be the next Zig Ziglar. That was his dream. He worked for it about six months, and then it didn't come true all of a sudden. And he realized, oh, I've got to go get a good job. So he went and got a job and became a mortgage broker for a number of years and was very, very successful. Hired a coach, and his coach asked him about you know, his, prog- you know, his progress in his career and, and helped him improve his sales and his numbers and everything were going great. Then one day the coach says, tell me more about this dream. Tell me more about this process. And he got more into it, and he said, if I gave you a contract right now to be a coach, would you, and a coach and a speaker, would you sign that contract? And he said, without hesitation, in an instant. And so is that kind of the example of what you're talking about here? He had been living this perceived truth that he had to provide for his family as a mortgage broker for so many years, but that coach challenged him with a really interesting question. If I gave you a contract right now, would you sign it? Is that the kind of transformation you're talking about? Oh, absolutely. But more importantly, when the person first said that they were a mortgage broker, I'd want to know, what is it about this job that you really love? That might be one of my first questions. And then I would find out, you know what, there's nothing I really love. And now we would already be moving on to, so what is it that you really want to do? So that's part of this truth versus perception. Mm. You know, If we just take what they give us and say they want, mm-hmm. we all know conversations never go the way we or the client thinks they will go. There's always a twist, a turn, a tangent. There's something. Mm -hmm. And so we just have to be skeptical. It doesn't mean we think they're lying. It doesn't mean they're doing anything wrong. It just means all of us, every one of us brings our perception of how we view something. Mm-hmm. And it may not be the truth. Mm. Yeah. And that's such a, a powerful concept and a powerful idea. And I just, I love that. You also said success comes from letting go of the need to provide value or reach a specific outcome. <laughs> the difference of experienced coaches is that they know they can trust the process and the idea of not knowing 
isn't uncomfortable to them. Help me uh, grasp that a little bit. Of course, it comes from experience. But one Mm -hmm. thing I say in my second lesson of my course, if you try to be brilliant, I promise you, you're not doing good coaching. Mm. Because letting go of the outcome, letting go of results means that you are truly present. You are really with that client in a way that you honestly don't know where it's going. And I will say, as an MCC and having coached for 25 years, I still get moments of, oh my gosh, I have no idea where this is going. And yet, I trust the process. I trust the client and I trust myself. And I know in my heart of hearts, there will be an outcome. I just have no idea what it is, and especially at that moment in time. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And that's part of being really masterful, because if you're focused on uh, getting a result, you're going to ask questions that specifically lead a client somewhere. And that's Mm -hmm. really not acceptable. That's right. Yeah. I love this quote you also had in the book is, what makes that a challenge for you? Or what would that mean to you? can be the most powerful revealing questions you can use in the whole conversation. And you use the what question so often in your book, but expand on those two. What makes this or what makes that challenging for you or what would that mean to you? Expand on those two questions because you use those a lot. First of all, I always say the simpler the question and the less specific, the better the question. Okay. When a client says, I found it so difficult, I, I just couldn't believe how much I was struggling. And typically I hear, okay... And then the coach just goes on with a question. And I say, well, hold on a second. I mean, I don't say hold on a second, but (laughs) in my mind, I say, okay, so what made it so challenging? Mm -hmm. Because now they have to explain themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's funny. I learned that. And even what do you mean as a simple question can be so powerful. Mm -hmm. It's not about crafting an unbelievable question. But what I learned was somebody many, many years ago, I was dating and he asked me, what's your favorite, what was your favorite Broadway show? Cause I live mm-hmm. in New York. And I told him at the time, whatever it was. And he said, what made that your favorite? And I thought, oh yeah, now, now that I said that, I have to explain what made that my favorite. So now I had to start thinking. Mm-hmm. And ironically, that's the goal of every question we ask a client. They're supposed to be thinking. That led me to don't let them say something without questioning it further. Mm. And in masterful coaching, you're really taking what the client just gave you and using that to move on, which is what I call lead by following. Okay. And and explain that a little bit more in detail for us. Lead by following. What does that mean? Okay. So I've got a whole host of, I've got a whole oh. host of folks who coach employees. And so that's a really interesting concept and help explain it a little bit further. Sure. So for example, the client starts out with, I'm having a really hard time with one of my employees and I, I don't know quite how to handle it. And it's just getting to the point, blah, 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 and the stress and whatever they're saying. And then the coach says, so what would you like from today's uh, conversation? And then I am now nuts because It is not following what they just heard. It's Mm. their own agenda. So anytime, even especially, it's kind of funny, when a client ends with 
So I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to do. And the coach, all the coach has to say is, what do you think you should do? Mm-hmm. You just take what they've given you and give it back to them. Mm-hmm. So if they've gone through a long story, you can reflect, but the reflection has to be editorialized, not a parroting reflect. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like, you know, this was a really challenging situation for you that created a lot of anxiety. So what made it so challenging? So I'm giving context to my question, mm-hmm. but I'm taking it from what they've just said. Mm-hmm. I am leading, which is moving the conversation forward, but based on what they've just said. Sometimes what happens, I'm not just asking what I call a naked question, and I'm not asking a question because it's something in my mind. Mm-hmm. It's something that's arising out of what they are saying. That's mm-hmm. the difference. Yeah, and you mentioned the concept of naked question quite a bit in the book. <laughs> and so uh, give me an example of a naked question, uh, but we're trying to keep this program PG, okay? <laughs> um, so what has you asking me that question? That is... A, that is. <laughs> now but look what happens right Right, i really i had my gears uh, stuck there for a second exactly exactly but if i had said you know it's interesting that you have this um concern you know Mm -hmm. or this whatever and so desire to learn yeah or you, you know you have this increased desire to learn which is wonderful so i'm just curious what is it that would be you know helpful or what but the point is that the question just doesn't come what se- what seems to the client like it's out of the blue because we have all these thoughts running around in our head, right? Right. The client doesn't hear those thoughts because they're just things we are ruminating around, you know, or they're, mm-hmm. they're popcorning everywhere. And then we come up with one question, whatever it is. And, and it's just a naked question. So, you know, I have in the book that whole bra story. Right. Which... <laughs> has gained traction over the years so <laughs> everybody la- laughs and then you know but it's true because you know asking someone a question just out of the blue in the middle right. of a conversation people would be like well why would you ask me that well it's the same kind of thing in coaching it's like why would you ask me that if i don't have any understanding of where the question even comes from Yeah, you talk a lot about context in the book, and it's such a powerful concept. If you're going to ask an effective question, make sure you frame it in the appropriate context. Definitely. And and that's the whole idea behind the bra story. I'm not going to tell them the bra story because I want them to get the book and get it. So there's the teaser for the bra story and getting the book. But I highly recommend the book. It It is certainly worth the read. And I love what you said here, too. Coaching is not about getting being right or wrong as a coach. It's about getting to the truth for your client. And I just think that's such an important concept. And what are some ways to help them get to their truth? Well, if you really hold in mind, why are they telling you this? Mm. And I'll give an example in a moment. And then my other question that I always say to hold in mind is, what's making it a problem for this person? Because mm. it wouldn't be a problem for the next person. So. Here's an example. So a client came and she started out, and I actually put a variation in the in the book, um, but she started out saying, I'm feeling very vulnerable and I'm really not comfortable sharing, but I'm going to share it anyway. 
And then she launched into, I'm having a problem with my child at school and da 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 da. Now I need to figure out what teacher is appropriate and so on and so forth. And 99.9% .9 of coaches would say, okay, well, let's see how we can figure out what teacher, right? But I question what's making this vulnerable for you. So it's holding in mind that everything they're telling us, it's there for some reason. We don't have to question every little thing, obviously. Right. But something like that, like why preface the story with this is hard to share and I'm feeling vulnerable? Within the first question, I already know I'm getting toward the truth. Mm -hmm. The other thing I'm listening for, what is their idea that they think is true that may or may not be true. So, for example, I had someone who said, well, if I stop giving gifts, I will feel guilty. Mm. Basically, I'm thinking to myself, well, you don't know that you're going to feel guilty. Mm. It's not a fact. Mm -hmm. And so we work on that, and I help the person see that that may not be the truth. Mm, that is a powerful concept. As we start to wrap this up, what's one or two powerful ideas that you want them to get from the book? Obviously, it was asking what questions for me and making sure you don't do naked questions in context. But what are some really powerful ideas that you want people to walk away with for reading this book? What, what adds value for them? I would say the themes mm -hmm. are really novel. I have come up with 25 themes, mm -hmm. all based on self-esteem as the root, but these themes, if you can tell what the theme is, or re I should say recognize the theme, you know what questions to ask. You know how to get to the truth. Right. So as soon as you hear, um, it just came up the other day where somebody said, well, I either have to do it this way or I have to do it that way. Mm -hmm. And so I hear either or, and I say to myself, well, there is no such thing as either or. There's always another option. You may not like it, but there's always another option. I would say the themes are very big as an important thing. I think also the mechanics of a shift, because I think coaches don't really have, I want to say a method or a real understanding when the client reaches what I call the leverage point, the point in the conversation where they're between where they are now, which is not good, Mm -hmm. or what they want, which seems fearful. And they're right on that cusp, right in the middle. And that's the leverage point. And then how to work with that and what to do with it to actually get the client to move forward. Mm. And so with that, and I love, I love the idea of the themes in the books, and you go into great detail on that. It made me actually think about a gentleman I had, Jerry Connor. I had him on about a month ago, and he wrote a book called The Four Greatest Coaching Conversations. And I wanted to step back and and look at what you did with regards to the four themes to also talking about comparing his four greatest coaching conversations to see if there were things that matched there. I think that would be interesting. I may actually have another coach. We'll do maybe a, a compare and contrast between your book and his book on another podcast in the future and say, what does that mean? But I got to ask this, what's your best shift story? And I've got to be very careful about saying shift there. But, uh, <laughs> well, shift happens, <laughs> shift happens. And, and so you've have you've helped people with shift. What's one of your favorite shift stories where somebody was locked into a certain mindset and okay. you move them to a different mindset? 
Well, I just think of an example that just comes to mind. I mean, there's so many, but I had someone who had trouble with boundaries. She was a personal trainer and this one of the clients was was harassing her a lot, all different ways. Okay. She said, but I can't tell him uh, to go away or not be my client because he sends me so many referrals. So the shift was, what if you set a clear boundary mm -hmm. and he still sends referrals? Right. What would that mean for you? See, what would that mean for you? <laughs> right. And... And so she realized that the pain, I mean, there was a whole work up to that because people have to realize how bad their situation is. And she, I got her to realize this was really a bad situation. She was going to work. She was uncomfortable every day. Right. Another simple one that I can just think of is a woman said, who had a studio. And she said, if I don't go in every day, the place will fall apart. I said to her, what if you don't go in every day and the place doesn't fall apart? What would that mm -hmm. look like? And then what she realized from that was, well, it may not run quite as smoothly, but no, it's not really going to fall apart. So again, truth from perception comes up over and over. Yeah. And resetting that mindset is such an important concept. Mm -hmm. So I've got to ask for the young lady, did she approach the guy, tell him these are the boundaries and did he continue to, to offer her uh, clients? You know, yes. offer referrals. Yes. So it all worked. He he realized he was probably stepping out of bounds, but he thought if I can play out of bounds and I'm don't get called for it, I'll exactly. do it. Exactly. And once he realized that he got called for it, he changed his behavior, and she was in a much more comfortable environment uh, for being the the trainer that she needed to be. That's right. And I do have, I think I'm I can't remember the number, but I want to say at least six different ways of creating the shift. I think that would have been a great title for the chapter, Six Ways That Shift Happens. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would have been good, but a little late now. Uh, we, we'll do that in this next edition. We'll do that in the next edition. But I With want, the naked I want, questions. <laughs> yeah, I want to get, I want to get some, uh, some credit for it. But I loved your quotes in here. I just wanted to share a couple of them that you had. I just thought they were absolutely terrific. This is one of my favorite from Mark Twain. The two most important days in your life are the day that you were born and the day that you find out why. I just love that quote. It's such a powerful quote. And so, you know, what does it mean to you and why did you put it in the book? I have a whole thing about alignment in that our truth has to align with our vision of what we want, which has to align with our purpose and who who are we and what is our reason for even being on the planet? And so to me, that's what it speaks to. It's, it's like, why are we even here? Right. What are we meant to do? So like this book has become my legacy. I was meant to share my years of experience, wisdom, whatever you want to call it, with people so that they can have an easier way and a better way to make their coaching more effective. Yeah. And I love this next one. It's just a powerful one too. Growth is painful, change is painful, but nothing is as painful as staying stuck somewhere where mm -hmm. you don't belong. And we don't know who who said that, but yeah, uh, I love that one. And and that's so powerful. How does that translate to coaching for you? Yeah, that one is so brilliant. And you're not the first person to call that one out as a quote they love, because that's exactly what I talk about in this whole shift chapter that should now be named differently. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what I talk about is that 90% of people move away from pain and mm. only 10% move toward pleasure. So telling someone you're going to feel healthier, you're going to be able to buy new clothes is not as much a motivator as 
Imagine what it would be like getting on the airplane and not having to ask for the extra seat buckle. So it's the pain that really motivate. We want to get away from something versus necessarily move toward. Now it's not a hundred percent, but I'm going to say almost always. And so based on that, if we can help them see just how painful their situation is, they're that much more motivated to start moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree completely. We want to we want to avoid pain, and that's why the pandemic has been so painful for people because they'd like to get away from the pain right away, and they can't. They've got to, you know, just kind of got to measure through it, mm-hmm. and that's the process. Yeah. And we all, you've also got another quote here that I like. To hate others is ugly. To hate yourself is uglier. Holvart said that. That one is incredibly powerful too. And what's your perception on that with regard to coaching? Yeah, because I think, unfortunately, which is why I say self-esteem is at the root, I think everything we do, it, it could be sending a resume. It doesn't matter what it is, but it's based on how we view ourselves, the persona we've created to function in this world. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not acting out of our really true authentic selves unless we're Gandhi or you know that type of person Mm -hmm. so when we don't like ourselves in whatever way it impacts everything we do everything so for example like I said with a resume so somebody might be afraid we'll say to put all their accomplishments or really tout themselves or by contrast, they'll exaggerate it and make themselves look even better because they don't feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. So I find that really learning to love oneself is a lifelong journey, but one Mm -hmm. that people should be on for sure, because Mm -hmm. it does impact everything. Every choice that we make is based on how we feel about ourselves. Mm-hmm. who we choose as a partner or not choose or in a relationship, out of a relationship, our friends, our colleagues, everything matters based on how we feel about ourselves. Sure. And it's such a powerful concept. And the last quote that I love, and this one was also by Unknown, no one is in your mind, you are its mm-hmm. only driver. <laughs> and isn't that the truth? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, because we um, as human beings, we are storytellers. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I mean we make up stories in our minds. So, for example, if you don't, if you were planning to get a call from someone and you don't get the call, mm-hmm. oh, you know what? Maybe that person got busy, but you know what? Maybe, maybe they've decided not to call now. Oh, or maybe, and then we start ruminating right and going into a million different options and possibilities that have no truth necessarily Mm -hmm. so my favorite thing about that is to ask the question what is true right now Mm. because very often the answer is i don't know Mm -hmm. and that's the only way we can be right there in the present moment because otherwise those stories take get the best of us. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't hear anything back, but maybe I should try again. And, and it wrecks so many things um, because we just can't accept that maybe there's some story or something out there that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. But instead, mm-hmm. we're in our minds going on and on and on, wasting energy, time, whatever. <laughs> 
And, and that's what I love about coaching is it prevents me from saying things to people that roll around in their head for decades. Yes. Uh, you know, when you tell and that's why I love teaching this to managers and to leaders and supervisors, because if they tell people things, they may say something or roll around in someone's head for a decade. Whereas they ask, you know, why did you do that? That was, you know, and then with the tonation of that was stupid. But if they say, tell me about this or what brought us to this conclusion in a more neutral method, then it changes the relationship. I was listening to the book, uh, Turn This Ship Around, and the, and the uh, author of the book uh, has a quote in there, and he says, our team was communicating effortlessly and without judgment to each other. And that was such a powerful concept for him. And that's what coaching really does, is to allow us to communicate in a, in a non-judgmental but powerful way. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And that's, that's why I love the, the art of it. And I just, I've just dedicated the rest of my life to as learn as much as I can. And I'm delighted to talk to folks like you. This is Marianne Franklin. She is the author of The Heart of Laser Focused Coaching, a revolutionary approach to masterful coaching. And it truly is a masterful book. You've done a great job. Uh, it got all fives on Amazon. And so it's just being great reviews. And so. How can people get a hold of you if they would like to know more? And also, what are your boundaries for what do you want to do going forward? So I know there's some boundaries there. So explain your boundaries and how do people get a hold of you? All right. Well, they can get a hold of me. Um, easiest is through my website, which is okay. lifecoachinggroup.com. Okay. And there's a contact form that works 100%. And can, you know, I actually get those emails for sure. Uh, so I offer mentoring uh, groups individual mentoring and supervision. Mm-hmm. And I also have a laser focused uh, coaching program, which has those one starting in September that's, believe it or not, been sold out already for at least three months with a very long waiting list. Um, so the next one will be in January 2021 will be the next class. I'm not doing as much individual coaching these days. I do have a few clients, but I'm really getting away from a lot of individual clients. With exception, there are exceptions, but uh, very often not. Even though I have a 100% success rate, I'm not a fan of listening to recordings. Mm -hmm. So I am passing a lot of that part on to other coaches. So the mentoring part you're, you're, you're passing on. Not the whole, no, no, I'm doing my group mentoring and I still do individual mentoring. Okay. It's just the recordings. And so for people who want to renew, it's definitely not a problem. And for people who are, um, at the ACC level, I don't have a problem listening to, you know, a recording. Um, but it's at the PCC and MCC where they need two recordings. And that's where I'm, I'm just that portion of it. (laughs) The rest of it, I'm happy to do. I'm happy to mentor people and get them to the place where their recordings are great. Uh But I don't want to have to necessarily listen to them. Although sometimes what I do for people is I just read the transcript and I'll. Very good. But you've had tremendous success with your class and I am just delighted with the success of your book. I loved it. It's a great read. Uh, we held the bra story out, so they'll have to grab the book to get that story. But it's a great story uh, between you and a colleague. Uh, uh, Marion, thank you very much. Marion Franklin's the author of The Heart of Laser Focus Coaching, 
a revolutionary approach to masterful coaching. You just did a great job today. Thank you for being on, Marion. Oh, thank you, Rory, for this opportunity. It's been a pleasure, really. I've enjoyed our time together. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join us next time for another discussion about the power of coaching. This has been a KCTK production produced by Paul Lavoda and Rory Rowland. For more information and content, visit RoryRowland.com.